Welcome to Vice Casting Couch, Season 1, Episode 25. And today we're going to be talking about Ubiquity Hacked, Facebook Still Crap, and Hide Your Browser, Hide Your IP, because everybody getting tracked out here. I am Ryan, and joining me is, of course, John. Yeah, we out here in Louisville today. And <laughs> Yep, and um, <laughs> which one? Hey man, I can't tell you everything. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Ex- yeah. ExpressVPN knows, they're keeping logs now. They did actually update their uh, their privacy. Um, yeah, it was a little disappointing. It's not much, but uh, apparently ExpressVPN now tracks. I think they did this before. I think they're just being more transparent about it, which is appreciated. But still, it's a little concerning. Um, I know we've uh, touted ExpressVPN in the past as being pretty good, but now they, I guess, keep logs of app versions, dates when you're connected to the VPN service, your choice of server, and the total amount of data transferred per day. They claim that none of this can be used to actually track what you're doing. It can't be linked to any specific behavior or anything like that, but it's a little, uh, makes me a little nervous. That's a no for me, dog. Yeah. It's it, either no logs or no service. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of agree. But I will be that's going, what they tell you, man. You got to take their word, you know. Th- this is very true. So today I was going into like an anti-piracy thing, um, which I'll talk about in a minute. But uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of disconcerting how many VPNs say, yeah, we don't track you. You know, we don't, we don't keep any logs, blah, blah. But when they're actually pressured, they come out with a lot more info than, uh, than you would want them to. But yeah, that's a. We'll 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 talk about that a little more in depth later on. Do you change your uh, Facebook uh, info after the last uh, hack? <laughs> well, so you know, there's a report that came out that 533 million Facebook users had their phone numbers and some other personal data leaked online. But when we look into it, um, the leaked data includes like your full names, your Facebook IDs, mobile numbers, locations, email addresses, gender, occupation, city, country, marital status, account creation date, and some other profile details. But it doesn't say anything about passwords or anything like that. Mm. Um, they say over 32 million records belong to users in the United States. 11 million records are for uh, UK individuals and at least 6 million are from India among a bunch of other people. What's interesting is included in this leaked information are phone numbers for Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook CEO, <laughs> um, some co-founders, uh, Chris Huge and Dustin Moskovitz. Um, and then there, those people are the fourth, fifth, and sixth members to have registered on Facebook. What is also even more interesting is that phone number for Mark Zuckerberg is registered on the privacy-focused messaging app Signal. Very interesting seeing that's a competing privacy app compared to WhatsApp. So uh, interesting. If he can't trust his own stuff, why are you uh, why are you trusting it? So that is very <laughs> interesting. <laughs> um, of some of the more data being offered includes information from people of 106 countries. Additionally, the data seems to have been obtained by exploiting a vulnerability that enabled like automated scripts to scrape a user's profile information. Uh, generally, this is done with the uh, phone numbers. So like um, this feature is normally used for like, hey, let's check your contacts and see who else has Facebook. And then you can add a bunch of friends. Yeah. Well, apparently, they were just kind of going at it and scraping as much as they could. This uh... was supposedly leaked in 2019. And they said they found and fixed the issue in August of 2019. But it's still concerning that this is out there on the internet, especially when it's half a billion people's information. Um, yeah. they, they say to be uh, very wary of any potential phishing attempts. Yeah, for sure. Another thing interesting is uh, 
with this coming out, there's been a Telegram bot that has popped up, which allows you to either send a Facebook ID or a phone number, and then it'll scrape all the information for you and send it to you for a fee. Interesting. And I saw that when I was looking at that story, it was all online for free as well. They're not even selling the... Oh, the yeah. The main information released. is on a on a form. I think they said it was on the dark web or something. Yeah. 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 That's always the go-to answer. It's on the dark web. <laughs> <laughs> But that's interesting that uh, Mark Zuckerberg's using Signal. It's uh, especially since they just came out and said, "Oh, WhatsApp, we we've updated a bunch of stuff. It's completely secure. It's okay. You can use it." <laughs> I thought so too. I was like, "Hmm, he doesn't even trust it." Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I know we've uh, said in the past that WhatsApp is basically trash. The way that they implement their <laughs> encryption is not is not good um, for what we've seen. But uh, yeah, if you're new and this is a first time listening, please do not use WhatsApp. Uh, use Signal instead because <laughs> they actually have not been hacked. Um, They've had issues, but nothing incredibly severe. No, no, nowhere near anything that a lot of other messaging apps have uh, have come under fire for, especially WhatsApp. I mean, WhatsApp, they literally have a, a software that was made for their app to hack people, uh, which <laughs> kind of tells you a lot if they're willing to put in the work to... Uh, make a separate software for that specific app. But speaking of uh, tracking and leaked data, I ran across a story um, from January uh, from torrentfreak.com and they were going over anti-piracy. So in the EU, there's this there's this group called Rights Alliance, right? And they have claimed victory over all Danish pirates. <laughs> so what? Yeah. So <laughs> so there was there is two websites, two torrent websites, uh, Danish Bits and Nordic Bits. They went offline last year during the fall, and they're basically taken offline, directly linked to Rights Alliance being behind it in coordination with some uh, anti piracy, uh, some police and stuff in, in the EU. But the Rights Alliance, they got their start. Just for a little background on them, they used to be uh, part of the Swedish Anti-Piracy Bureau, or the Svenska Antipiraterium, however you pronounce that, I'm probably butchering it. Uh, but they're basically, they used to be a Swedish lobby group that represented TV companies, movie companies, video game companies in the EU or in Sweden. Uh, but they kind of branched off, and now they're kind of like that, that old lady in your neighborhood who looks out of her blinds at everyone walking past her house. That's what they've kind of become... Uh, they kind of go after repeat offenders on torrent websites and stuff like that. So obviously people just went to another torrent site, right? These two sites went down. They just went to another one because another one, there's dozens out there. But the Rights Alliance put out a statement or a warning, if you will. And they said they are closely monitoring the situation. And they said, even if you have a VPN, they will find you. And they will hand over your IP to the actual police. The VPN comment kind of got a lot of people talking and wondering what exactly they meant by this. Because obviously everyone touts having a VPN as, you know, masking everything that you do online. So what exactly did they mean by this? Well, they came out with like an explainer, if you will, afterwards um, and said that because many countries are now viewing online piracy as a more serious criminal offense, they're now starting to invoke the Budapest Convention. And basically what that means is they're doing what the U.S. has been doing for years. They basically go to a country and they say, hey, we think this person's a criminal, so please hand over everything you have on them. And this includes all VPN or all VPN companies. So in other words, Rights Alliance is correct that it will be easier to request information from VPN providers concerning online piracy. And if VPNs keep extensive logs, they'll be able to identify the user. However, many VPNs, you know, 
don't keep logs, uh, so they have little to share, which is what you look for in a good VPN company, which is why ExpressVPN kind of adding some transparency to what they, they actually collect is a little concerning. That said, since it's a criminal matter, in some jurisdictions, VPNs can be compelled to assist law enforcement to monitor certain IP addresses, which means that even if they don't keep logs, if they if they do see what you're doing or what you're connecting to with your IP, they can be coerced by the government to kind of uh, monitor that IP if they think that's the one that belongs to a criminal that they're trying to find. So it may make them easier to track around the internet, even if you do have a VPN. So they're kind of right, but it's pretty broad and a little misleading. But this does bring up a really important issue and one that we've talked about many times on the show, which is what your VPN actually logs and which ones to go with. For me, there's always like three questions uh, that I look at when trying to purchase a VPN or trying to decide if a VPN is, is good enough. Obviously, you shouldn't just go with whatever's cheapest or whoever's having a deal now or something like that. The first question is, what country are they in? Uh, the Budapest Convention does not encompass the globe. There's only certain companies that are that are in this convention or have ratified this convention and given their their signature. Uh, there is a lot of them, especially the EU, including the US and Canada. Um, and Australia and a few other ones outside the EU. Does it just, include Sweden? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah, they're in the EU. So yeah, it includes Sweden. Um, so just keep that in mind because, uh, you know, we bring up, you know, uh, 14Is and 5Is and 4Is or whatever else. Uh, there's a lot of countries. <laughs> there's a lot of countries that are in these agreements that allows them to extradite information from each other. So just be wary of that when you're choosing a VPN. The second question is how do they store their data or it do they store their data? Some VPN companies use hard drives for their service, which is an issue because obviously that's written to and they can't, they usually don't erase it. They log it. ExpressVPN, in that regard, they are pretty good because they only use RAM for their, for their servers, which is great because once it turns off, it doesn't keep the data. Uh, and the last question is what's their track record? Uh, I know v uh, ExpressVPN, they have been pretty good with their track record when they, when they have been forced to turn over data. They usually don't turn over a whole lot because they don't have a whole lot. Um, I don't know how that'll be moving forward. Well, that, that remains to be seen. But what's their track record? There's plenty of websites out there who keep a log of what VPN companies have given to uh, governments and stuff like that. But I mean, at the end of the day, companies, they, they follow two rules, and that's basically money and covering their own ass. And they'll do both of those every time if either of those are, are jeopardized. So just keep that uh, keep that in mind. Um, the Budapest Convention is now being invoked uh, with a lot of criminal investigations concerning online piracy. Um, so um, if you're considering changing a VPN service or getting one, I would definitely recommend getting one just for everyday stuff like banking or, or what, what have you, or buying airline tickets. It's very helpful. Um, or watching Netflix or what have you. But yeah, if you want it for other stuff, definitely keep in mind what the VPN companies actually do and look into the fine print on their website and other independent websites that actually review these VPNs. And also another thing to keep in mind is, is while your VPN does log stuff, the easiest way for them to get you is if you use bad OPSEC. Um, so mm -hmm. if you log into another account while using the same VPN session, or th and this goes with Tor as well, that's how they've de-anonymized a lot of Tor individuals it's just due to poor and improper OPSEC yeah. or none at all. And because Tor by itself is actually very good. If, if you have good OPSEC and you know what you're doing, they'll never catch you on Tor. But yeah, um, I mean, a few yeah. VPNs I did want to shout out are uh, Molvad VPN. They're based in Sweden, but they have been independently audited. They're very transparent. They accept Bitcoin and even cash. So you can mail them a blank envelope <laughs> with no return address with cash. 
with your um and they don't even use an email address they give you a number they're like oh here's your generated number send us the cash and boom you're good um another one proton vpn they're in switzerland and switzerland has one of the best secrecy laws on the planet not one, only to like internet but also to banking so if you're doing a bunch of uh yeah sus stuff look in there <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't know if we can say sus stuff, but um, <laughs> any activity. Well, I think sus can vary from uh, country to country and moral standings. And, well, you know, that is true. Stuff. That is true. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I, I, I would definitely agree. Yeah, if you're if you're using a VPN for anything, um, and and a lot of these websites do mention that they're like, hey, if you're using a VPN and you're logging into a shady website or something like that. That login session, if they get your email address or something like that, and it's not a throwaway email or something like that, it can be tracked back to you. So be careful when you're doing that. But yeah, uh, I, I pulled up this website called RestorePrivacy.com. Obviously, all the links will be in the description. Uh, but they brought up a few cases, I guess, Pure VPN. Uh, they mm. claimed that they didn't keep logs. However, uh, there was a recent court case where it specifies in there that because of peer VPN's records that they kept, they were able to catch a guy um, who was, uh, I guess he was stalking someone online or something like that. I forgot what he was doing. Oh, that's my favorite pastime. But <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let, let's not incriminate ourselves. <laughs> I, I plead the fifth. <laughs> you can't if it's recorded. <laughs> Anyways... Uh, but yes, he was basically caught because of basically they were just lying on their site. They were saying you are invisible. Even we can't see what you're doing online, blah, blah, blah. But it came up in the court case that that's not necessarily true. Um, there's also a bunch of websites that will check if your VPN has leaks as well, um, which definitely check to see if that that is a, an issue for that certain VPN. But yeah, I just, I just thought that was very interesting and Definitely uh, do your research when you're looking at a VPN because uh, there's a lot out there who claim to do a lot of different things, but they're not necessarily living up to uh, to their fine print. One of the things you can always do is if you don't trust your own device, you can put a VPN on like your router and then mm. it'll encrypt everything it sends to it. So then you have a couple layers of uh, trust that have to be broken and then, then you could always just run Tor on top of it. So, you know, there's tons of things you can do. We're not suggesting you do anything illegal. It's just if you are really uh, paranoid, like we tend to be. Yeah. There's a lot of things you can do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, if you... speaking of routers, I was going to talk about Ubiquity and their uh, data breach that happened. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Ubiquity, they're a pretty uh, known brand. They make a lot of network devices like switches and routers, and they're actually very interesting. They have their uh, software defined networking, and I honestly think that'll be the future. But there's a whistleblower who came to a uh, prominent um, security blog called Krebs on Security, and they cited that. There was a huge data breach to their cloud-based devices. Um, so in January, the makers of uh, Ubiquity, they make internet-connected cameras and other network devices. They disclosed that there was an unauthorized access to certain of our information technology systems hosted on a third-party cloud provider. Um, the real sketchy thing is they didn't really provide that much information. They were trying to downplay it. Um, they said there was no evidence of intruders accessing user data and that the company couldn't rule out the possibility that they obtain usernames, emails, or even hash passwords and uh, phone numbers and such. But Ubiquity did recommend that they change their password and enable two-factor authentication. But on this blog, the whistleblower, um, he came out and said, 
that the breach is much worse than Ubiquity let on and that the executives were trying to minimize damage to protect the company's stock price. So the breach, it comes as Ubiquity is pushing, if not outright requiring cloud-based accounts for users set up and administering devices running on newer firmware versions. They say that this uh, initial setup is the unified dream machine. Users will then be prompted to log into their cloud-based account. So they're kind of forcing you when you get one of their devices. But the whistleblower then says the attacker has gained administrative access to Ubiquity servers at Amazon Cloud Services, and then um, which secures their underlying server hardware and software, but requires the cloud tenant uh, to secure access of any of the data they stored. They were able to get the cryptographic secrets for uh, some single sign-on cookies and remote access, and then for the full source code uh, control contents and signing key exfiltration. This, it then says the attackers had access to privileged credentials that were previously previously stored on a LastPass account that Ubiquity's uh, IT employees used, and they were able to gain root administrator access to all of Ubiquity's AWS accounts, including all their S3 data buckets, application logs, databases, user database credentials, and their single sign-on cookies. With this, <laughs> they would be able so to screwed. remotely authenticate. Oh, yes, yes. They strongly <laughs> recommend that you change your passwords and enable two-factor authentication. Um, I would re recommend anyone who has a Ubiquity device to do that immediately. Yeah. Um, th this is very concerning from such a major network like device provider. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm surprised that this hasn't gotten more press. I've seen a few articles out there, but like I said, Ubiquity has really been trying to downplay it to protect their stock price. Yeah. 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 Again, protecting profits and their own ass. According to their own website, they've they've shipped over 85 million devices. They play a key role in network infrastructure in over 200 countries and territories worldwide. So th this is pretty serious thing. There is a way to not have their like kind of forced cloud account. You can make a local account, but it's kind of hidden and you have to do your own research. Mm. But I would recommend uh, disabling the remote access and changing all passwords immediately. Yeah, and this, this goes for anything that the stories that we bring up, like learn from people's mistakes, or at least I try to like the, like the Facebook hack or this ubiquity hack. Like if you see something online about another company getting hacked like this, you should probably put the barricades and the restrictions in place beforehand before it happens to the company that would affect you. Like with the Facebook thing after that happened, I mean, I, I, I would advise anyone and even before it happened, but, you know, go on to your about, uh, you know, about info and stuff like that. I would not use your full name. Um, I put a bunch of this on our Twitter account as well. But yeah, don't use your full name. Maybe make a, a throwaway email or something like that. One that you're you're not going to use for anything else and just put that on all your social medias. It's not tied to like your bank account and all that. Because uh, a lot of people use like the same email for everything or with this. I mean, Ubiquity got hacked, but who knows that whoever else may, may get hacked next. So put two-factor authentication on your router now before the company that it's tied to, you know, gets compromised. But yeah, so even if you don't have a Ubiquity hardware, I would definitely recommend doing that with whatever you have currently. Well, and that's the thing people got to understand is, is, is hacking is going to become the norm with everything moving digital something's going to get hacked eventually it's just a yeah. cat and mouse game until vulnerable vulnerabilities get found like honestly that's the that's why they recommend password managers um i've recommended bitwarden i know a lot of people it's very easy to do mm -hmm. and if you are paranoid about them having access you can run your own bitwarden server in your house on like a raspberry pi or something 
And yeah. that way, you know, you have full control. You know exactly who has access to it, which is you. If they have tons of uh, browser extensions, mobile apps. I use it on everything and it generates passwords for you. You can store notes and I'm not getting paid, but they're open source. And I'm a huge advocate of open source technology because oh, yeah. anyone can look at it and they can be like, Hey, uh, maybe maybe this isn't the best way we can implement the security, and they can always change it. You know. Yeah, no, that's very true. Yeah, I mean, I I use them as well, and I've I've never had an issue with them. It's super easy to use, and again, we're not we're not sponsored by them or anything. We just we're not sponsored by anyone actually. Uh, we just <laughs> yeah, we we revoked our ExpressVPN sponsorship. <laughs> we were not sponsored by them either. <laughs> we just liked them, but now it'll remain to be seen whether whether we still like them and it really depends on what you're doing if you're just using your vpn for banking you know express vpn's a-okay but yeah, like you'll be like fine, i said if you're yeah. doing some uh sus activities on the internet maybe look for a different provider yeah and <laughs> <laughs> not that we condone it but we know uh people have different needs so and i just want to reiterate <laughs> i know we've said it before <laughs> Um, <laughs> I know we've said it before, but any free VPN is never free. Don't use free VPNs. <laughs> well, I think if if we're really getting into this discussion, anything that's free is not free. You are the you are the product. You are what's making the revenue. Look at yeah. Facebook. It's only free because they can sell your data and give you ads, and that's that's it. Yeah, and especially with something that is meant to protect you, like VPNs. I mean, just look at Tunnel Bear. Any any VPN that you can download from the you know the Play Store, or the App Store, or you can download offline for free, it's not actually free. Be very careful with it. I, I mean, I would just say don't use it at all. Just invest a little bit of money. Most of them are pretty cheap. They're like five bucks a month or something like that. Just get a good VPN, but just do research beforehand, and you know take that in consideration. If you're um, especially paranoid. You can just rent a VPS and run your own VPN. And that way, no one will know what it is. I mean, true, but <laughs> I don't know if a lot of people have that 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 desperate of a need. But join us in the next three months when we eventually make a tutorial on how to make your own VPN service. I mean, yeah, we definitely could actually. <laughs> it's not a bad. But speaking shot. of uh, of needs, and and this one's almost a universal need. Yeah. So uh, federal prosecutors they have indicted a Kansas man for allegedly logging into a computer system that controls the public water system and tampering with the process for cleaning and disinfecting customers' drinking water. This indictment was filed in the U.S. District Court for the District of Kansas, which they alleged a uh, 22-year-old male, Wyatt A. Trevenchkinik, I can't pronounce that, um, <laughs> but he's from Ellsworth County, Kansas, who was an employee at the company uh, Post, Post Rock Water District from January 2018 to January 2019. This facility serves more than 1,500 retail customers and 10 wholesale customers in eight of Kansas's counties. Um, part of Wyatt's responsibilities included remote logging into the water district's computer system to monitor the plant after hours. Um, in late March 2019, they said that Post Rock experienced a remote intrusion to its computer system that resulted in the shutdown of the facility's process for ensuring water is safe to drink. They did not say how Wyatt allegedly gained access to Post Rock's facility, but they did say his prior position as an employee who remotely logged in after hours is very probable for him doing it. They also noted that the uh, water officials did not secure their credentials by not closing Wyatt's remote access account after he left. 
Uh, no one at the facilities was available to take any questions though. He is supposedly going to be charged with one count of reckless damage to a protected computer during unauthorized access and he faces a maximum sentence of 25 years in prison and half a million dollars in fines. These allegations are similar to another incident that actually happened in Oldsmar, Florida where someone broke into the computer system of their municipality's water treatment plant and they tried to poison the drinking water. <laughs> oh yeah, I read about that. So the intruder went in there and uh, there's a chemical called sodium hydroxide which is normally used to treat the acidity of the water and remove some metals and even uh, sanitize it to an extent. And norm the normal amount for this is uh, 100 parts per million. Well this guy yanked it all the way up to uh, 11,000 parts per million. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Goodness gracious. It was also noted that at this Oldsmar facility in Florida, they were running an unsupported version of Windows that had no firewall and had ah. an account for TeamViewer that had the shared password that all the employees used. Um, <laughs> Goodness <so>. gracious. <laughs> you know, no matter where you are, be it Kansas or Florida, your water could be uh, potentially at risk. From what I read, they did catch it before it actually poisoned anyone. Yeah, so, I don't see any notes of anyone getting harmed or anything. It's yeah, just the, it's very concerning that all of our critical infrastructure is just open on the internet. Yes, that is a little concerning. <laughs> Maybe they should invest in a good VPN. Maybe actually using a firewall, too. It said they had no firwall. So uh, Yeah, that probably helped, too. And not having a shared password posted I don't know online. what it means by an unsupported version of Windows. Are they talking Windows XP? What's going on? <laughs> Probably. I'm assuming they, they mean a, a version of Windows that's no longer getting patches. Interesting. I mean, that could be, yeah, that could be anything, yeah, up to Windows 8. Well, it's interesting because Windows XP, like, believe it or not, there's still a lot of devices out there in the wild that use it, especially, like, um, hospitals and, oh, yeah. and these SCADA systems. Yeah, we talked about that before when uh, when we brought up vulnerabilities in uh, hospital equipment. They were still running Windows XP in like a vast majority of hospitals just because it's way too expensive for them to upgrade. So they just don't. Yeah, shout or, out to Bill Gates. <laughs> or the, the proprietary software that they run only works with an older version. And then the company is like, oh, you want to upgrade your software? Well, you know, that'll be a couple you know million dollars something for you to upgrade for us to give you the newest version. Well, generally it comes with that. an upgrade to the whole equipment. Like if your MRI machine, you wants to keep working, you either have to use Windows XP or fork over like $5 million to get a new one. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. So it's just, it's not really doable for a lot of hospitals, even though they should be looking into it. It is a little, uh, is a little concerning that all the stuff uh, keeps on getting hacked. Uh, <laughs> you know, we hear about, you know, tech companies and stuff like that getting hacked all the time. That's kind of become mainstream, uh, especially in the past like decade. But then you see, you know, infrastructures getting hacked, like solar winds or you know, water treatment plants and stuff like that. And it's a, uh, it's a little more frightening than a router manufacturer or something like that. <laughs> I think I'm gonna pull a Ted Kaczynski and move off the grid. You know. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> oh my word. Um, oh, I oh. real quick. Oh. One more thing, oh. you know, seeing we are device casting couch, right? Yeah. I wanted to do a quick mention. I know this is a little old, but NVIDIA actually did some really cool stuff that they've been, people have been wanting for a long time. Um, so with their, and NVIDIA makes uh, graphics cards 
and they have different tiers. They have their G-Force, which is for gaming. They have their Quadro, which is more of a professional workstation. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then they have their Tesla cards for like supercomputers. Well, on the Quadro and Tesla lines, they've had virtualization enabled um, since forever. And a lot of people, especially like enthusiasts like us, they'll, they'll want to run a virtual machine and, and mm-hmm. pass over their graphics card. Well, NVIDIA has blocked this in the drivers for the longest time. And, and if you ran like a Windows virtual machine, you get a code 43, your graphics card wouldn't work and, and it would be crippled essentially. Well, mm-hmm. recently they have enabled, they call it beta support in the graphics driver for GeForce cards, the ones that everyone has. Well, oh. it's not really beta support. When you look into it, it's the same stuff they've been doing on their Quadro line and their Tesla line. And I just wanted to quickly give a shout out like, I think this is the way to go. Yeah, for um, sure. This allows people like me who have recently gone to Linux full time. I could run a, a Windows virtual machine and pass my graphics card over, mm-hmm. and it would have full control. I could play GTA Five in a in a virtual machine if I really wanted to. Nice. Um, the only thing they haven't done, which is unfortunate, is this what is it, SRIOV, which allows you to essentially split your graphics card, um, so multiple uh, machines can have access to it at the same time. So. Uh. You'd still have to give full control to one operating system or the other, mm-hmm. but I think this is a step in the right direction and allows us enthusiasts and home lab people to start tinkering with this technology more and, and get our feet wet. Nice. Yeah, it's definitely a step in the right direction. I, I don't really understand why manufacturers, I mean, I get why they have different tiers of stuff, but just turning something off and saying it's not available to this tier, uh, to me, just I don't know, at least to me anyways, it just seems like a waste. Um, why not let people use the full extent of, especially if it's just a, a driver, a switch and a driver. Yeah, no, that's definitely good. That's Well, speaking of, of driver switches, this is exactly what they're doing on their um, 30 series graphics cards, like the 3060, like the yeah. 3060 Ti came out and miners were like, oh, this thing's really efficient. It has a good hash rate. Let's buy all of them. Yeah. Well, a lot of consumers were... Um, getting annoyed that there is no stock and and there's a bunch of reasons for that not only the crypto miners but there's also a chip shortage but in the non-ti version they implemented a driver that would detect if you're crypto mining and then like only give you like half the performance if that like it would neuter (laughs) like the capability well seeing we're talking about it the funny thing is is nvidia apparently accidentally leaked a developer driver that doesn't have that switch in there so they're like oh, <laughs> let's keep buying them like <laughs> oh my word i know that these both these stories are a little little um dated but it's past month or two and i figure i mentioned them I, i'm a proponent of if you buy the hardware you should be able to do whatever you want and that yeah, they exactly. should be able to impose their what you think is allowed you know yeah yeah exactly yeah, that's my point. Like, if you're going to make a piece of hardware, why limit it with another piece of software just because they didn't buy into the next highest tier? Why not just make better equipment for that tier or just provide it for everyone? I don't know. It's just personal opinions, but uh, <laughs> that's Shout definitely... Shout out AMD. Yeah. Y'all, <laughs> Y'all the real MVPs. <laughs> oh, my word. All right. Well, we'll uh, catch everyone next time. Thank you for listening. Bye. Don't forget to comment and subscribe. Check out new videos. We're going to try an upload schedule, but uh, no promises. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>